This is Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is Bob Johnston, and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio, 89.5 FM and 92.5 FM in good old McLean County and Bloomington Normal, 88.3 in Pontiac, 97.1 in Lincoln, 89.1 in DeKalb Sycamore, and 80.89.3 in Morris Joliet, covering much of central and northern Illinois and growing thanks to you. We're going to have a great show for you today. Uh, my wife and I, of course, were gone last week, and uh, we will again be gone next week as well. Uh, we are going to a wedding, and uh, last week, of course, was uh, the Labor Day weekend, so it's been a little bit of an interruption here, but uh, the show will get going again after the wedding and maybe stay on an even basis for a little bit longer. Uh, <clears throat> remember always that we are brought to you by you, and we couldn't be on the air without you, so any donations that you can make are always welcome. And if you'd like to make a donation, you can go to our website, and that's catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's catholicspiritradio.com, and it'll tell you more about us when you get there and also how to make a donation. And anything large or small is always appreciated. I'm here with my wife, Lynn, today. And uh, again, remember that uh, more and more, it's a mad, 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 mad world out there. And uh, some of the things that we may talk about today, again, will probably show some of that. Uh, but before we start, we're going to talk a little bit today about a film, uh, a review of it. We mentioned it before, but I'm going to have a, a little bit more uh, review. I think it is a real good review of it, The Sound of Freedom. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about poetry today. So we're going to talk about a few different things. But before we start, again, I'm going to turn this over to my wife, Lynn. Hi, hi out there. Good to be with you. We're certainly Happy that you're with us. You come to join us, taking the time to listen. We appreciate that very much. We appreciate your support more than you'll ever know. Uh, one thing I wanted to say or to mention was there was an earthquake yesterday evening. I guess it would be evening our time over in Morocco. There's over 1,037 known dead so far. This was a 7.2 earthquake. Some reports and some some geologists say it was 6.8. Who knows? It was big enough to destroy a whole com whole communities. There's very historic buildings there, and they're pretty well gone now. So pray for those people. It's going to be an awful thing. I think we should look to. Is this going to happen? more and more frequently and are we displeasing God to the point where he's so displeased with us he's going to fix straighten us out I know it sounds far-fetched but when you read read the Bible and what Jesus said there it is the other thing please pray for this uh, synod that's coming up in the church it, it can affect us very greatly so pray that things go well and the Holy Spirit takes over. Okay, Bob. I was so cheerful. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I saw some pictures on uh, television of the earthquake. You see things now that you wouldn't have seen a number of years ago because everyone has a cell phone and 
they take pictures and you could see people running, you know, in and out of buildings and uh, the ceilings and so forth coming down, things coming down around people and and the you, walls. You can just oh. see what it's like to be in an earthquake and all of the panic and so forth in it. Uh, a lot of which, of course, you never saw before because they happened so quickly and, you know, it, people just didn't get uh, much films of them. It was mostly aftermath. And now you're getting things that are going on right while it's happening. And uh, you, you can see the, the uh, you know, everyone wants to be, of course, away from buildings and outside. You can see the panic just to get out. Right. So, and I guess they say after an earthquake, there's a, that feeling. A lot of people don't want to go back inside anything again because they're afraid of that, you know, suddenly going to happen and things are going to fall on them. And uh, that's quite understandable. Yeah. So to develop a sense of, uh, you know, of uh, claustrophobia or whatever, uh, being inside. So, yeah, it's, it's not something that uh, you want to go through. That's for sure. Anything further you want to say on anything? And then we'll get started. Now, September is the month where we honor the uh, sorrowful mother. She went through a lot of sorrow in her life when she was uh, joyous, too, of course. But the sorrowful mother is the one we think about this month with all the sorrows that she went through. And there are devotions and novenas to the sorrowful mother. They're very beautiful. Should look at him sometime. I mean, she might. She was born without sin, but she did go through the sorrows of motherhood, and so forth. At any rate, yeah, we needed you know to get back and start talking about some of those things again. But there is just so much going on in the world that I think uh, because uh, we have this uh, station that Catholics need to hear, and so a lot of it. Uh, is what you're getting from here, and sometimes uh, maybe it's a little bit too much, but uh, try to err on the right side and not on the wrong side and uh, get things in that people might not hear otherwise. So that's what we're going to do a little bit more of today. Uh, we're going to talk about the film The uh, Sound of Freedom, and I mentioned that I think in a few other shows, and maybe you did too, Lynn. But mm-hmm. uh, this is an article that appears in Chronicles Magazine. And uh, Chronicles is uh, put out by the Charlemagne Institute. And at at one time earlier was the Rockford Institute right up here in Rockford, Illinois, northern Illinois. And uh, they lean toward uh, Catholicism. Uh, There's a lot of people on the magazine that uh, are involved in writing it and so forth that are Catholic. And so there's a little bit of lean toward Catholicity. But it's an extremely good magazine. It's a conservative magazine in the old sense of the word, although they cover the spectrum of all things. They cover, you know, all, all, from from conservative to liberal to all sides of, uh, of modern day issues. And it's very readable, very good magazine. I would recommend anybody to get it. It's, the, like I say, the old fashioned type conservative of, you know, the conservatism of family and home and uh, decency and, uh, remaining uh, out of war if possible and uh, minding our own business as a country and so forth. But the, the old-fashioned conservative of uh, maintaining civility and a uh, peaceful and family uh, attachment to our land, our home, and, and all of the decent things in life, uh, marriage and, and, and that kind of thing. And so uh, 
but it, it covers a wide spectrum, has extremely good writers. And this is in the September 2023 issue. The title of the article is A Spark to Start a Wildfire, and it's by John Zimmerak, who writes regularly uh, for, uh, especially on film, for Chronicles, and uh, it's a very good review. So, yeah, I must say, that movie was very well done, and it is worth seeing. You're not going to see any pornographic scenes in it, but it's so well done, you get the idea. It starts out here, it says, This is a beautifully crafted and passionately human film about the darkest underbelly of contemporary life. So it's not just about uh, uh, one thing, it's about contemporary life in general. The trafficking and sexual abuse of helpless children. The motto at the film's heart is, God's children aren't for sale. Released this year, but made in 2017, it was kept out of theaters for years by distribution companies, including Disney, for reasons we still don't know. Well, probably those reasons we do know a lot. Figure it out, right? A lot of them is because the fact is, is they don't want people to believe that this is really happening. And now the film is a runaway hit, outperforming massive studio releases such as Indiana Jones. So, of course, our elites are trying to discredit the film, hurling dubious charges at the wall like spider monkeys throwing poop. First, the claim was the movie traded in crackpot allegations cooked up online by QAnon conspiracy theorists. It isn't. It's based on facts, statistics, and the real-world experiences by anti-trafficking heroes. Next, we heard that one of the film's producers or major investors was himself arrested for child sex trafficking. Also false. One guy out of 6,600 members of the public who invested via crowdsourcing was arrested because, as a landlord, he got sucked into a tenant's child custodial battle and so on. But none of this QAnon business really matters. We know the cold, hard facts that there is a high-level conspiracy among our elites to sexualize children, to remove the last lingering taboo against molesting them, and to strip their parents of the power to protect their innocence, and to even to raise them with the religious values. The legislature of our country's largest state, California, is considering a bill that would allow courts to strip custody from parents for not affirming their gender identity, or in other words, for pushing back against school counselors who urge their children to mutilate their genitals and chemically castrate or sterilize themselves. We know that the sexual revolution was led by dishonest, pseudoscientific perverts like Alfred Kinsey, a man who cheerfully collected data on infantile orgasm from a molester who preyed on babies. And I remember back when Kinsey was this sort of hero among the the, the liberal left, wasn't it so, Lynn? Oh, it was. I can remember uh, many of the 
women's magazines thought he was the greatest thing since baked bread. Yeah, it was, you know. Like Red Book, Cosmopolitan, and so forth. Quite a few really went after and accepted every word he said. Yeah, and he and his wife were both perverts, and the fact is is he made up a lot of stuff that was just plain lies, but people people were eager to believe, you know, all of the BS that he put out. And uh, the the fact was him and his wife were having parties and everything else uh, uh, with uh, all kinds of different partners and so forth, and None of the things he was... Justifying what they were doing. Right, exactly. It it goes on here, it says... uh, And making money. That's the other thing. Yes, he was. They were making big money. Right. You know, as they say, follow the money. And using academia, you know, (laughs) to put on this uh, pseudo stance of being some kind of professional. And which, of course, he really basically wasn't. It said, for proof of this and much, much more, see Jennifer Morris's book, The Sexual State. We can read with our own jaded eyes the manifesto by the revolutionaries of 1968. And then, you know, Lynn and I remember 1968. I was you know, teaching school 1968 to 72 and going through college from 1962 to 1966. So while the Vietnam War was going on, while all of this stuff was going on, and Kinsey was at his height and so forth and everything, we were young back at that time and right in the middle of it all. Uh, Right. We didn't realize at the time what was really going on. It's been a, a progression of acceptance of sin. It goes on here. It says, uh, let's see. Again, it says, see Jennifer Morris's book, The Sexual State, and it goes on. It says, we can read with our own jaded eyes the manifestos by the revolutionaries of 1968 who called for an end to taboos against preying on children. The Guardian reported back in 2001 that evidence had emerged that Jean-Paul Sartre, Simone de Beauvais, and current French health and educational Ministers Bernard Kouchner and Jack Lang were among the signatories of petitions in the 1970s calling for pedophilia to be decriminalized. These are the thinkers who muddled incoherent, who, who, these are the thinkers whose muddled, incoherent works now dominate the curricula in virtually all humanities departments throughout the West. And that makes me both angry and very, very disappointed because I did major, you know, in, in, in English and in literature and the humanities. And I think I was in on the very tail end of when the humanities departments were serious and uh, about uh, the classics and the serious literature and, and serious things and not all of this current jargon and nonsense that is going on now and, and all of the perversions that are going on in it now, it probably would make me sick to go in and see some of the stuff that these people are being taught and doing. It says, our elites have had their minds formed by the heirs of the Marquis de Sade, or de Sade who was a major influence on Sartre and Bouvier, as they cheerfully admitted. <coughs> 
crusade celebrated the rape of children as part of his demonic rebellion against the creator whom he hated. We also know that the Biden administration has de facto turned over our borders to human traffickers who supply the child pornography and sex trafficking industry with victims. As one of the co-stars of The Sound of Freedom, Mexican pro-family activist and Catholic, Eduardo Verastegui wrote in 2019 at the stream, quote, Americans remain among the largest producers and consumers of child pornography in the world and among the largest uh, consumers of child sex through human trafficking. These criminal enterprises generate more than $10 billion a year, so they pose a serious danger to our Mexican and Central American children. And we're going to stop here and take a break. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Why should we attend Mass? Where do we find the Mass in the Bible? For the answers to these questions and more, join Catholic Spirit Radio for its next Bible study about the Second Coming, the Bible, and the Mass. This 10-lesson video study features Scott Hahn and begins Thursday, October 12th at 6.30 p.m. The material fee is $25. Register by September 30th for in-person or Zoom participation. Contact Tony at 309-750-9062. An inspiring multimedia live performance about the first black Catholic priest in the United States will be performed for the public at 7 p.m. on September 9th at Peoria Notre Dame High School and on September 10th at Peru St. Beat Academy. We want no totems in this place. I shall work at it and pull at it as long as God gives me life. Get out of Quincy, go elsewhere, get! May I never give up. Learn more at ToltonDrama.com Wondering about your next step? Ashley was in school and pregnant when she reached out to the Pregnancy Resource Center. Would she be judged? Would she be accepted? What she found at LAPRC was a team of people who were committed to providing excellent care and compassionate support to those facing pregnancy decisions through authentic relationships that display grace, honor life, and foster community. If you or someone you know is in a situation like Ashley, or if you want to help support women and families in our community, you can find us at PregnancyResourceCenter.org. Has Catholic Spirit Radio touched you? Maybe it has brought you closer to God or even into the church. Tell us your story. Call or text our listener comment line. If you like, you can remain anonymous. 773-541-4159. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks. Others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to CatholicSpiritRadio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break, and we're reading from a film review of The Sound of Freedom. Uh, The review is uh, in Chronicles uh, Magazine, the September 2023 issue. The title is A Spark to Start a Wildfire. 
and uh, we're reading uh, going on here about the the uh, fact that uh, America is a target place for uh, a lot of child sex that is going on and child trafficking that is going on. Uh, it says here, the wall is undoubtedly an essential instrument to end child trafficking between Mexico and the United States. It protects the dignity and future of uncounted thousands of children. It might be the only barrier that would stop them being illegally brought to the U.S. by people claiming to be their parents, then sold as slut slaves to pedophiles. In other words, there is a lot of trafficking going on across our border, and our border has been left open by the Biden administration. And many of the so-called kids coming through with their so-called parents are really kids that are, in effect, stolen from other countries south of our border and being brought across our border and sold into sexual slavery. And there is a huge market, that's what I was trying to get at, in the United States for both uh, child pornography and also for actual child uh, sex and a lot of sex slaves being across the, being brought across that border and, uh, and, that, and not being in check. And that is a huge industry. They're talking of $10 billion. And you can understand why the cartels and so forth are making so much money involved in all of this trafficking that's going on right in our borders and right in the United States here and now. And this is something that Catholics especially, and the church especially, but America uh, in general should know. Well, you know— the cartels are moving into our southwestern states and so forth. And uh, we had better be very watchful. They're going to take over. I'm not sure that some of our authorities aren't on the take from them. Well, I'm sure there are. You know, you have to take a look at what's going on. You know, in Mexico, it seems like the cartels, in effect, <laughs> are the governed of Mexico anymore in a lot of cases. Yeah. But yeah, they uh, are. it goes on here, it says... Instead of considering arguments like those, our media demonized the Trump administration for keeping children in cages, that is, separating minors from adults who claim to be their relatives, until those adults offered proof. In fact, the Biden administration has removed the last protection for such immigrant children, eliminating the simple, actual DNA tests that Trump had mandated. So, in other words, all of this nonsense about keeping kids in cages and other things was simply to make sure that uh, the sex trafficking across our borders was not being stopped. And that's what was really going on under the idea of protecting kids. They were not being protected at all. They were being sold into a horrible slavery that you can see if you view the film, The Sound of Freedom. And... uh, It goes on here. It says, so the Democrats and their media enablers are making life easy for the child sex slave trade and using the power of the state to turn American children over to the Frankenstein-style experiments of the multimillion-dollar transgender industry. And uh, the Frankenstein experiments is right. The fact is, is that it's horrible to think of children being operated on, their 
perfectly healthy bodily organs and so forth being removed at ages as low as 12 years old and with an attempt by our school system to keep parents from knowing what's going on. And a lot of these kids, in my opinion, in the schools are being encouraged to be transgendered. Things like this are being held up to them as uh, some kind of a cure-all for any problems that kids might have. And kids, of course, have lots and lots of problems when they're young. And I would dare say in our society, those problems are probably worse than ever before because children aren't really allowed to be children in our society for very long anymore before they're snowed under with all of the adult perversions and so forth that should never be coming their way. But that's happening. Anything further you want to say on that, Lynn? There's a lot to say about it, but it comes down to one thing. We don't, the, what happened, what's happened to our country, our civil, being uh, protective of children, what's happened to our morals and why it has a lot to do with money and the idol, making money the idol. It's a lot of it. And thinking you're God and you can control everything and you make the rules and do whatever you damn well please. And when talking about the wall uh, that was built, you know, that, that being built in, in protecting the United States, uh, President Biden ended the wall by executive order. But just recently, he, he says he's starting to admit that there is a problem at the border. He can't very well run away from it, and the election is coming up. But he says only that Congress can fix it. In other words, this is something that he can't do. Only Congress can fix the problem. But the fact is, is that uh, he ended the wall by an executive order, and he could very well fix the wall by an executive order as well instead of saying that only Congress can handle this. So a lot of this is plain lies, too. And the fact is, is that the Catholics ought to realize and know about this. The church should realize and know about this. And we ought to be hearing something more about this in our churches. And we ought to be hearing more about this uh, from the the, uh, bishops and so forth. Right, from the pulpit. Right, from the pulpit in our churches. And uh, my wife's right there. We should hear this. And we're not hearing a lot of it. There's an avoidance, it seems like, of these subjects and I'm not sure exactly why, if it's on account of the fact that the church has lost a lot of credibility through the uh, uh, child, you know, abuse and so forth, and everything that was going back on in the you know the early part of this century. So uh, that could be the case as well, and they want to avoid the subject, but it's something that the church can't avoid, shouldn't avoid, and something that Americans in general and Catholics in particular should not be avoiding. This is why. We supposedly have a church to speak out against these things, to stand up from, for what God has taught us about human nature and nature itself. It, you can't go against nature. Now, you know, remember that commercial about the, the butter, Mother Nature? You can't fool Mother Nature, and the lightning comes down and so forth. It was such a cool commercial. Anyhow, it's true. It just shows what happens when you turn your back on God as we have in this country. 
and our children are our future. And uh, without our children, without solid uh, children growing up to be solid adults, we have no future. And uh, our country will become weak and it will be taken advantage of in a world like we live in today. And that can happen very rapidly in civilization. It can can come tumbling down a lot faster than most people ever think. It's happened in the past and we're not immune from it now. People think that the present that they live in somehow is fixed and it'll never be like the past that they look back on. But it can very well <laughs> happen. It and, happens very rapidly. Right. And we're no different from any other generation of people. They all thought the same thing. Oh, not, not nowadays, but it can happen. And it happens very quickly. Look how quickly with the Second World War, the people in Poland in September of that year, 1939, uh, things were normal. They went about their business and... 24 hours later, they were invaded and taken over. 24 hours. Just think of that. Exactly. It would happen a lot faster today. Exactly. At any rate, uh, it's something to think about. And if you have a chance to see The Sound of Freedom, go and see it. Uh, it's a very well done movie. And uh, this has been a very good review of it. And I think uh, it's very apropos to Catholics, our church, and our times. Uh, anything further you want to say? No, I think we've pretty well covered that. Okay. I'm going to go ahead here and read a, a poem. It's also from an issue of uh, Chronicles, and that issue is the August issue of 2023. It says here, David Middleton, uh, the poet, he's a poet in residence emeritus at Nichols State University in uh Thibodeau, Louisiana. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Thibodeau, Louisiana. It's a town just uh, southwest of uh, uh, New Orleans. So it's down pretty close to the Gulf uh, in Louisiana. And uh, it's a very interesting poem. And I'll read it and then we'll talk a little bit further about it. Uh, It's Pickets by David Middleton. And... uh, there's a verse taken from 1 Corinthians 16, 13 here. Uh, it says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. And uh, I'll read the poem. It says, The stars around us gleam like bayonets, as though another foe had gathered there to bear down on our army, long dispersed, behind us in the cold and smokeless air. But word of that last order and parole arrived too late at this remotest post where we will stay forever on alert in one thin line, unbroken, ghost to ghost. Our mission was to be keen eyes and ears, detecting all about our dwindling core, great movements of the northern men and guns in numbers we had never seen before. We slowed them down with skirmish and melee, sharpshooters targeting the brigadier, battery captain, Boulder NCO, our crossfire rebel yells heard far and near. At other times, we felt a brotherhood when pickets on both sides would sing the same old songs of mothers, sweethearts, peace and home, 
along the Rappahannock and the James. And we would trade tobacco, coffee grounds, on tiny sailboats drifting with the wind, and in our common tongue whisper debates on how the war had started and how it would end. Yet on this line, fighting has never ceased, though arms were stacked and swords made shares again. For we must hold the earth that holds our bones under the winter snow and summer rain. So now we load new enfolds of the air with bullet points for sermon, parley, speech. And in this war of words, our aim is true. The enemy is never out of reach. And while we keep our our watch, we wait on those who one day may see what and as we see, then take their stand beside us to resist the abolitionists of history. We are not statues, names of schools and streets, but guardians of memory and myth, gray wraiths that will not rest until our own Confederate reckonings are reckoned with. For only then will constellations gleam like distant campfires where two armies are, and we will see at last, through twinkling tears, star-spangled banners, bright with stars and bars. And so it's a very interesting poem, and uh, it is about uh, these pickets that were once soldiers in the Confederate Army, being guardians of history, guardians of our past, and the poem is a, a uh, taking a stand against the destruction of our history. And uh, I'd like to mention a little bit about the, the ideas of history. There's another Southerner, William Faulkner from Mississippi, a poem, a, a, both a, rather a writer. Uh, and uh, he always charged that uh, the past ain't dead, is what he always would say. The past ain't dead. And he'd say, hell, it ain't even past. And the fact is, is that, in my opinion, you know, we have this saying, you even hear it, I think, uh, about, uh, I think Mother Teresa even had a saying. And the idea that uh, the past is gone, it's dead, and the future is not here yet, so all we have is the present. But I disagree with that. My my theory is is that I I agree with Faulkner. The past ain't dead. It's not even past. We don't have the future. It's not here yet, and the present is simply you know uh, uncapturable. <laughs> we really can't capture the present. And uh, in a second, it's gone. Yeah, it's part of the past. As soon as you say now, the now is already gone, and it's part of the past. And if you stop and think about all life in existence, you know, all the life on earth and all the life, you know, even, even the tiniest, the, the simplest life, the one thing that it has to have, and it has to have retention of the past in some form, even in a very, very simple form. I mean, even the simplest uh, bug or cockroach has to have a memory somehow of a nearby hiding place. If you suddenly turn on a light or something, it runs right back 
the way it came to a place, you know, of safety where it came out of. Every animal has to have this memory of the past in order to know what food to eat, in order to know we have to learn from our experiences. And the only way we can learn from our experiences is by remembering the past. I mean, how we learn in school, how we study, how we learn to read and write, how we learn to speak, how we learn all those things. We have to be able to retain what we learn. If it's not retained, it's all brand new again, and we have to learn it all over. And so this this whole idea that the past somehow is dead simply isn't true. Uh, Have you ever thought about that, about the people who have Alzheimer's, Lynn? You were a nurse. Right. They have, uh, they can't relate the present to what was, you know, to their past. However, they remember the very early parts of their life and things. They may not remember their own families that they have created, but they remember their childhood and so forth. But, you know, when you can't remember five minutes ago, you have nothing. And we're going to have to stop here. <laughs> we're running out well, of that's time here. To think about. Yeah, we're running out of time here. We're going to stop and take a break. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks. Others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to CatholicSpiritRadio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. Has Catholic Spirit Radio touched you? Maybe it has brought you closer to God or even into the church. Tell us your story. Call or text our listener comment line. If you like, you can remain anonymous. 773-541-4159. An inspiring multimedia live performance about the first black Catholic priest in the United States will be performed for the public at 7 p.m. on September 9th at Peoria Notre Dame High School and on September 10th at Peru St. Beat Academy. We want no totems in this place. I shall work at it and pull at it as long as God gives me life. Get out of Quincy, go elsewhere, get May I never give up. Learn more at totendrama.com. Why should we attend Mass? Where do we find the Mass in the Bible? For the answers to these questions and more, join Catholic Spirit Radio for its next Bible study about the Second Coming, the Bible, and the Mass. This 10-lesson video study features Scott Hahn and begins Thursday, October 12th at 6.30 p.m. The material fee is $25. Register by September 30th for in-person or Zoom participation. Contact Tony at 309-750-9062. Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break, and uh, we've been talking here uh, about a poem called Pickets by David Middleton. And uh, it appears in Chronicles Magazine. And the poem is about Confederate soldiers, uh, pickets, who, you know, are out out guarding uh, the army uh, in front, uh, waiting, you know, to to detect the enemy coming in and so forth. And the whole idea is is that these 
these pickets of the Confederate Army have been killed, and they are still, their ghosts, in effect, are still on guard. And now, instead of guarding with the regular rifles and bullets and so forth, they are involved in trying to guard against uh, people who are trying to abolish history. And uh, the poem is really talking about the fact that uh, there seems to be a war on American history that somehow or another because of things in our past that are uh, bad should be somehow eliminated from our history entirely. And that there seems to be this war on slavery or racism and a blame being put on uh, our early uh, patriots and heroes and on those statues and so forth that stood, you know, for the Confederacy and the Civil War and even going back and uh, our statues of George Washington and uh, Thomas Jefferson and Abraham Lincoln and so forth, supposedly because they were racist. And the poem is saying, in effect, that the, the ghosts of these pickets are still on duty and will be on duty trying to stop uh, this abolition of history. And uh, I think the essence of the poem is that, uh, first of all, it's to remember history and to remember history in such a way that it unifies us. And I was talking about the fact that, uh, in my opinion, I agree with William Faulkner that the past ain't dead, as he said. Uh, Hell, it ain't even passed. And uh, the Civil War, of course, is still affecting us, and it's affecting us even, as this poem says, by having people who are railing against it today running around wanting to destroy the uh, Confederate battle flag and and destroy the uh, Confederate statues and so forth, as if destroying our history can somehow or another destroy the uh, bad things of the past. But the thing is, is that it is our past. And when you make a war on the past, when a country has no past, then in effect, it really has no future either. I mean, the people no longer know who they are. Children and all of us need to know who we are, where we came from, and so forth, in order to know really what we are and where we are going. And we have to have a common past that holds us together. And when you make war on all of these things, you disunify the people and you keep them apart. And you don't really heal things. You don't heal the divisions that are in the country. Uh, You make those divisions worse, and you make the country worse. And in a way, doing these things is, as I've said before, trying to destroy the foundation that our country was built on so that you can lay a new foundation. And uh, the people that do this are people looking to be in power and to rule and the best way to be in power and rule is destroy a people's past, destroy the whole idea of who they are, and destroy their unity and divide them into peoples against themselves. And that's what's going on. And I think this poem is taking a stand against that. I think the whole essence of the poem is the fact that we are not statues, names of schools and streets, and tearing those things down is not what's really going on. What's really going on is tearing down real people who lived in a real past, who dealt with real problems that they had to confront and uh, were not so simple back in their times, just like we are today. And unless we remember 
and understand and try to see where we came from and what happened in those times, we're not going to have any unity. And he says, only then, only then when people recognize the past and its peoples as real people related to them today and no different from them and recognize that we have our own prejudices and so forth today, not just prejudices from the past. Uh, until then, uh, we won't be able to be unified. They say only then, only after we recognize these things, will constellations gleam like distant campfires where two armies are. And we will see at last through twinkling tears, looking back and seeing the, the sadness uh, and the pain we will have a future where we can come together again. And this is what he's the last line through twinkling, twink, twinkling tears. We will see star spangled banners. In other words, the regular American flag bright with stars and bars united again with the Confederate flag, the stars and the bars, but we will be reunited again as people together with a common past that we can begin to explore and understand and by going around and destroying it, we don't build any foundation for the future. We destroy the future. That's exactly right. Uh, you can't uh, destroy your past. You have to build on it. And to build on it, you have to remember it. So, you know, by destroying everything, they think they're going to make everything new? I don't think so. I think you're going to fall. I, that. It's part of the fall of a culture. You're, they're destroying your whole culture and everything around you. You know, memory is so important to uh, how you build and how you think and how you prepare. You know, the old saying, uh, if you don't know history, you'll repeat it. Well, we, you know, we don't want to repeat the Civil War. So the question is, do we want to uh, one another one? We better remember the first one and avoid. And our country, I think, is being disunified, and that's what this talks about, and, and, and we need unity. And uh, it's uh, talking about uh, things that are deeper than just what the, you know, what, what the surface of the poem is. We're talking about not only reunifying the blue and the gray, the, the north and the south, uh, but we're also talking about the present. We're talking about what's going on now and what should be going on in the future. We need, we, we, are, we are split in this country by ideology. And ideology and politics has become everything. And I think the poem is driving at the fact that we, we need to somehow come together with this. We have this liberal, we have this conservative, and the conservatives have a definition of what liberalism is. The liberals have a definition of what conservative is. We're pushing further and further apart, and uh, we're not coming together. And uh, there's this idea that somehow or another our past, our America is no good, that we have to focus on nothing but the bad and on the racism and slavery and so forth, instead of looking at those problems as problems that grew out of historical forces and the people living in those times had to deal with those forces 
and people deal with forces in their own way, and often those ways are mistaken, and often those ways aren't clear, and uh, we really can't see the future, and we really often can't see the present. It's obscured, and the only way that we can really move forward with any kind of uh, uh, confidence and uh, any kind of real knowledge is to learn from our past. And uh, that's what we need to be doing here. And uh, until we do that, we will not be united as a country. And we need to, we need to share our common past and not, not destroy it or, or tear it down. Tearing down those statues isn't going to tear down our past. And not knowing who we are isn't going to make us stronger. All of those things that our young people are being taught to do by a lot of these uh, people in in the elites and the universities and so forth is being done because these people are, are in a, a, a power grab and that's what's going on in our country is this uh, whole idea of a group of people taking over, destroying our, our foundations and rebuilding their own on top of our old foundations and establishing uh, disunity and so forth among us so that they can rule and they can have power, and they can have money, and this is going on, and it's got to stop. And uh, people need to be educated to that, and I think this poem goes a long way to doing it. I agree. Uh, don't give up the past. Wake up and see what's going on today. They're t- you know, we're being torn apart. We're being torn down. Is it worth it? To you to see everything turned away, turned down, and rejected, including God, the importance of God and of the natural law, it's all being done away with by the so-called elites who don't realize that when this all comes to a head, they're going to be the first ones taken down. And I, I think also, you know, when we talk about history, this gets into the actual individualized and humanizing of history. I mean, the fact is, is that uh, everybody, even young people, we like to remember. Remembering is a huge part of our life. And there's this nostalgia that we see today, probably more than ever before. And uh, people, we say, well, people retreat into the past, but is it really a retreat or is it people seeking some kind of permanence some kind of uh, something that they can understand, and they're seeking something in common with everybody else. And I think uh, that the very act of remembering is something that all of us humans have in common. And then the very past that we do remember, we want that past to be in common with other people. And uh, we want that we have the same language, uh, we have the, the same land that we share, and then, of course, the one thing we have that we can share that's uh, not material is our sense of the past, our understanding of the past, and our discussion and talking about the past. And uh, it it's very important to us. I mean, the whole idea of nostalgia, I think, is sort of a means of coping with the present and coping with what we, what we fear about the future. Well, that's true. I mean, if you can look at the past and say, people survived that, or they handled this problem in this such and such a way, and this is 
Maybe it turned out for good. Maybe it turned out for bad. You're learning something all the time. When you have no past, what do you look to? Think about that. What would you look to? That You know, destroying the past is not going to gain you a future that you're going to like. And I, I think you really put your finger on something there, too, when you say, in effect, you know, looking at the past, we have come through it. In other words, we're looking yeah. back and we see that not only have other people dealt with the problem and come through it, but we look back at our own past and we see that we have come through problems and things. And uh, even bad memories in that way give some reassurance because people look back at those bad memories and say, yeah, but I came through it. I'm still right. here. And, and this will pass. And this will, you know, whatever's going on now, it too will pass. And it also gives you a jumping, you know, a jumping off point, a springboard, if you will, uh, for the future. If I dealt with this this way, I can deal, you know, if I dealt with that past problem a certain way, I can deal with the problem I have now a certain way. And the future, I'll be looking back at this problem and I'll have solved it or I'll get through it and so forth. And there is this reassurance. So that's another thing about the past. Uh, yeah, like Faulkner says it ain't dead and it isn't. The past is uh, very, very... Uh, uh, you can try to erase people's memory, but that does not erase the past. No, it doesn't. And at the same time, they, like I say, when we think about people with Alzheimer's, how... You know, you're totally, totally disoriented and taken away from almost everything. If you don't, if you have no memory, I mean, just imagine there are people who experience something and they know ahead of time that in a few hours or so they will, they will forget it. They won't remember it. And for those people just to try and hang on to something, you know, we have this, what, uh, in Latin, the phrase is, Carpe diem, isn't it? Yeah, seize the day. And uh, we can't seize the day except through our memories. There's no way we can grasp the present. It really doesn't exist any more than the future does. As soon as we grasp it, it's already in the past. So the only thing we can really grasp is the past. And there is, actually, we have to come to the conclusion that all things on this planet Earth all creatures live in the past. We retain the past through our memories, and if we didn't do it, we would have no future. So you know, the, the history is important, and uh, these pickets, and this is what the poem is all about, these pickets are guarding history, and guarding history is an important thing to do, and every society uh, needs its history, or it, doesn't, it isn't a society at all. And so we need to start seeing history in that sense. History is being a part of real life and real life that is still going on because everything that we do and everything that we do in the present and do for the future comes from our past. We would not be able to cope with a thing if we didn't remember, if our muscles didn't remember, you know, how to walk and how to talk and how to think and so forth and everything. All of that is something that's learned already and we retain from the past. And without that, we would be in very, very serious trouble. So at any rate, we're going to have to stop here and uh, say our prayer. And I hope that, that this has been interesting and I hope that uh, people out there 
will think a little bit more about guarding the past and that tearing down our history and so forth isn't going to solve any problem. It's just going to leave us uh, without ammunition to go into the future and solve the problems that we have right now. So, St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world for our souls. Amen. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you'd like to contact Bob, email bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio relies on your support to bring programming like this and EWTN 24 hours a day. Please help keep Catholic Spirit Radio on the air with your generous support. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com or send a donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. That's Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Catholic Spirit Radio is a 501c3, and all donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio.